Welcome to another Mother Runner. This is Sarah Bowen Shea. I'm joined today by Brittany Williams. How you doing, Brittany? I'm great. How are you? I am good. Fresh off six miles of running. Ooh, I'm mm-hmm. a little jelly. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it felt pretty good. Found a dime and a penny that had been run over so that it was folded in half. Full. The penny itself was folded in half like a steam bun. That almost seems like it was upright and then like balancing on its edge and then a tire mm-hmm. ran over it to flatten it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which, How did uh, that happen? Yes. That's interesting. That's mm-hmm. I like that. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Well, so, I mean, I think it's important to ask, you know, I know you're a massive Beyonce fan. You going, I am. You going to her concert in Seattle? You know, I'm not. And it makes me <laughs> sad. So originally, like when the tour first, like, it was announced. I, you know, rounded up all of my girlfriends and it was so far in advance. No one would commit. Oh, and like, I don't know. I don't know. I just feel like none of my friends are as big as Beyonce fans. Yes, I'd say so. Yeah. And, you know, if it was Taylor Swift, probably could have gotten people to rally. Um, I don't know. But see, I see them as being on par in terms of massiveness of oh, they are. devotion and the scale of the shows. I just think that my friends are more Taylor Swift people mm. than Beyonce oh, that's people. That's surprising to me. Okay. Yeah. I don't know why I get that. No wonder that could you be, like me. I could mm-hmm. be very wrong. I could be very, very wrong. Okay. But yeah, so no Beyonce concert for me, which I mean is I'm okay. Like I'm going to mm-hmm. be fine. The thing is the internet's so amazing these days is that you can practically watch the entire concert <laughs> If you just log on to social media, you'll see all the highlights. It's like, like, you sports, say, it's like a sports game. Like you turn on the ESPN to see the high, top 10 plays from whatever game you want to. You could just turn into Instagram and see the top 10 plays from the Beyonce concert. Brittany, which one of us sounds like the older person? The internet is so wonderful these days. You can see sports games on it. <laughs> oh, I'm a millennial, I promise. Oh, my gosh. Oh, geez. Oh, my gosh. So the only reason I know about it is that uh, my husband and I and our older daughter, Phoebe, are driving my younger daughter, our younger daughter, to Seattle to drop her off at Seattle University for her freshman year. And so... Mm-hmm. We are driving up on Friday, and I mentioned somebody, and they're like, oh, well, you know, the B- second Beyonce concert's on Friday night. I'm like, what? Yeah, great. No. <laughs> Traffic's <laughs> going to be horrendous. So, you know, I drove to Seattle to see T-Swift yep. back in July, and it was one of the most seamless drives to Seattle I've ever experienced. It was like oh. we were on a conveyor belt and just shuttled directly up there. That's amazing. So we might have blown our massive stadium tour driving um, karma, but yeah. who knows? That's yeah. Okay. So I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. So anyway. Well, if yes. you see Beyonce, tell her I said hi. <laughs> I will. <laughs> so, all right. Give us some, some baby updates. Oh, man. So she's five months old. Um, mm-hmm. And but she, for a reminder for those listening, is a preemie. So developmentally, she's like three or four months. I think she's like a month behind mm-hmm. uh, her actual age uh, in development. And so she's currently in her screeching, squealing phase <laughs> where, like, it's funny. I was literally just breastfeeding her this morning and she'll come off of the breast, squeal, scream, and then just immediately go back on. Like it's getting to the point to where the desire to squeal is higher than the desire to eat, which to me, for a baby that is saying, and it's the happiest squeal. It's not like a, a scream or anything to be concerned about, but it's just the happiest, highest pitch. Like her voice is going a little raspy. Um, I had to Google it because I was like worried. I'm like, oh my gosh, is she sick? Like, you know, because her voice oh, is a little raspy, but I, it's truly because she spends a good majority of her awake time just hitting notes that like I can't even my husband and I try to like make the same sound as her back to her and we're like wow we can't do you're on your own on this one because we cannot hit those notes (laughs) it's quite cute that is fabulous I do not remember that phase so maybe I've blacked it out from my memory I think it's well I think it's a short one because I think what comes next is like babbling like the mama da 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 Mm -hmm. so I think that Mm -hmm. one's such a 
fun and like I think a longer phase. I'm pretty sure I Googled it and it basically was like she's just realizing she has a voice and like she's making Aww. these sounds. So mm-hmm. she's just anytime she wants to express emotion, whether it's happiness, which I think is luckily when she does it. Mm-hmm. or unhappiness she like wants to see how loud she can get and she wants to see like how much she she's just like you know it's like the first time a baby finds her hand suddenly she's reaching for everything it's the same mm-hmm. concept but with her voice mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so it's a good thing and she oh she doesn't do it when she's unhappy so that's good it's not mm-hmm. like she's screaming yes. at a higher mm-hmm. level she's just really really happy at a very loud <laughs> you know level Oh my goodness. So, and she, you sent me a picture yesterday because yes. I asked for one and, and she is just the most beautiful baby. Yeah, she's a, uh, she's a cutie for sure. She, uh, we're really hoping her eyes are still blue mm-hmm. and we're really hoping she sticks with her blue or green eyes just cause I don't know. I think like she's a mixed child and I definitely think she, if she keeps her, her blue or green eyes, she's definitely going to have that look of, mm. Mm-hmm. Man, I don't know what her ethnicity is. Like, kind of like that exotic, like, ooh, mm-hmm. what is she? Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I think that that's fun. Yes. Oh, yeah. yes. I mean, I don't know why I think it's fun. It's all fun. <laughs> but I <laughs> but, think that, like, just having that kind of a unique, like, look to her, uh, she's definitely developing it. So, so and I came up with a nickname for her while I was on my run today. I don't, oh, I don't know here. if it's original for her. So your daughter's name, as you know, is Blake. And so I decided we need to call her Blake Lovely. Oh. Instead of Blake Lively, the, oh. the famous Blake. So, so that's she- funny because I call her Lovey. Oh. So that's actually quite close. <laughs> we could just say Blake Lovey because that <laughs> kind of matches the two together. Uh-huh. Yeah. I like that. Yes. I well, like that. Just because I was just, I mean, her eyes are just transfixingly beautiful. They really are. They mm-hmm. really are. And that's one of the things why I'm just like, please don't turn brown. No offense to brown-eyed people. I have brown eyes. Sarah, what color? Don't, you have brown eyes, right? Uh, I have kind of bluish, green, grayish. Who oh, knows? Yeah. I'm a horrendous at eye, eye color. But like I've seen you a thousand times and couldn't tell you. It's I fine. Could, yeah, it's it's fine. fine. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm really hoping for anything other than, than brown at this point. Because... Yeah. Yeah. My kids are very adamant that they all have hazel eyes. Oh, you know, that's the rarest with, of the colors. Oh, oh, I, they, they just relish in it, you know, and, <laughs> and which one has the most hazel eyes. But do they have hazel eyes? Like your opinion? Uh, John definitely has hazel eyes. Okay. Mm, the girls uh, I'll look at them a little closer again this weekend because yeah, Daphne us. has very dark brown hair and so I think of her as having brown eyes but then they'll come right up close to me be like look mom no see see I have that yellow <laughs> that around yellow my pupil <laughs> and see I have little flecks of brown in the green all this stuff I'm like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. okay yeah That's so funny. you know forget gazing at the navel you know they are gazing into the mirror yes. I think, looking at the color of their eyes yes mm-hmm. yes yeah. 100% yeah. That, yes. I love it I, well that's me and my daughter's eyes I just stare at them it's like I think I see some yellow coming I think that they're gonna end up being green um oh. is my I'm like well I mean one I hope my mom is like there's no way they're not brown my mom's like they will be brown she's just convinced that brown will take over anything and I've shown her the genetics because it's a recessive trait so you can like or like a simple I can't think of what it's called but when you can actually like map out the genetics oh. like you did in biology mm-hmm. class mm-hmm. um so there's a- actual science behind like well, obviously there's always a science behind it but it's 50% chance it's brown 38% chance they're green and 12 percent chance they're blue look at you you've done you've done your homework my i friend. mean it's a light it's a light google search sarah there's a light <laughs> are you on the take from google because i think you've now said it about google four search. times in the- sarah <laughs> i stay at home with my baby all day the only friend i have that's semi-adult age is google do you know what i'm saying rocking the baby to sleep what can i search for on google <laughs> If it's not on Google and Instagram and Google are keeping me afloat during these postpartum days, uh, other than again, when my baby's asleep. Oh my goodness. I will say one, you mentioning green eyes. So my mother was a very pragmatic person. She was not woo woo at all. Yet when I met a certain presidential candidate way back in the day, I will not say who it is, who I absolutely adored. And I just thought he was a dreamboat. And I got, I 
worked on his uh, his campaign headquarters in my hometown on my um, spring break senior year of high school, and I got to meet the candidate, and so shook his hand and you know, just was on cloud nine. And when I came home and told my parents about it, I said, Oh, and he has green eyes. And my mother goes, that's a fabulous quality for a president because green eyes means you can see into the future. Huh? And I'm like, okay, flaky. Woo -woo. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what have you oh, done with my mother? <laughs> my, my husband has green eyes. I'll have to let him know. Oh, yeah. My first boyfriend in middle school, Scott Addison. Shout out to Scott Addison, wherever he is, um, had sure green eyes. Listening. And oh, my goodness. When he walked onto the school bus that first day of seventh grade, I just swam in that pool of oh, green eyes. Oh, my gosh. That is so funny. <laughs> I... Definitely loved the like all American blonde haired, blue eyed, like quarterback look when I was in. Like, I fell in love with every late 90s, early 2000s, like coming of age film that had the stereotypical Jake blonde haired, blue eyed. Yes. From, yes. Oh, well, he has dark hair. He has dark but hair. But you, but you still yeah. know the type. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's so funny because my husband is blonde haired. He has green eyes, but for the longest time I thought they were blue. And I literally would tell people <laughs> that they were blue. And I said it once in front of him. And we have been dating for a long time. Like I'm going to say eight months, nine months, long enough that I should know better. And he just looked at me and he goes, Brittany Williams, my eyes are green. And I had to like get my face right up next to his. And I'm like, well, dang it. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> just telling people that you got blue eyes because it was just this dream of mine but it's fine I'll, I'll, no one's perfect I guess oh my goodness well I did not see the intro chit chat on our notes was, <laughs> did not include going to eye color my mother being woo woo none, no, of, it. none no. of it none of it oh my goodness alright well our guest today is Alyssa Ages she is the author of a new book called Secrets of Giants a journey to uncover the true meaning of strength and in her professional life, Alyssa is a journalist who is a former personal trainer and group fitness instructor. Sounds like kind of a familiar <laughs> profession to me there, Brittany it Williams. Does. It does. So in Alyssa's personal life, she's a strongman competitor. We'll get to what that means. Marathon runner, triathlete, and occasional rock climber. She and her family, which includes two daughters, live in Toronto. And but before we welcome Alyssa, I just want to, you know, for you and me to spend a minute to talk about where we are in our strength training journey. Yeah. Yeah. Because you're a professional. Um, I am. Yeah. So what are you doing for strength these days? So um, I'm actually, which is a kind of a weird meta experience, meta, not the company, meta, the word. <laughs> because you are Google loyal. <laughs> Correct. Yeah. Um, I'm doing my own fitness program. So I write digital workout programs uh, for an app called Sweat. And I have a strength training program in there. And I just launched a new kind of, we launch new programs six weeks at a time. So kind of it's one program called Ignite Strength. And every, you know, few months, we launch six new weeks of it. So mm -hmm. I'm currently doing my newest six weeks, which I, I say that's very meta because I'm listening to my own voice. I'm looking at myself working <laughs> out on an app while I'm doing. It's a very odd experience. But I'm kind of in this phase right now where I don't want to have to think about my workouts. And I think a lot of people get into mm -hmm. these phases where I mm -hmm. just want to show up. Someone else has like decided what I'm doing and I just click play and I kind of, you know, get through it. Probably not the heaviest weight I've ever used, probably not the best workouts I've ever done, but it feels fulfilling to have done something. Mm -hmm. So I'm strength training probably three times a week, running probably twice a week, but following my own program, which is odd, in, in the garage of my house. I love you saying, I just want someone else to tell me what to do. Oh, who's yeah, that but someone, someone else? else? It's Brittany Williams. <laughs> I, think, it's, I think it's, it's a Brittany, Black Mirror episode. It's, it's Brittany from the past. Brittany did her work <laughs> in the past to put together a workout program. But the good news is I know that I like every workout. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, I go in knowing that I've already vetted this to be Britney approved. Yes, of course. So that's kind of nice. There's no exercises that I don't really love. Right. And and I bet you're good at them. Yeah, generally, yeah. <laughs> yes, generally. Yeah. What oh about you? God. Oh, I don't, don't tisk tisk at me. But I mean, you I'm... ran six miles this morning, so I'm not going to tisk tisk anything. Yeah. 
Yes, but you know, I have fallen off the strength training wagon because, you know, you someone had a baby? Yes, because someone had a baby, <laughs> not pointing fingers at a certain blue-eyed baby, but um uh, <laughs> that and then I was working out with your successor, let's say, at yep. the fitness studio, but then the fitness studio closed rather unexpectedly. So, wah, wah. So I just, there are not enough days in the week, newsflash. So it just, I'm, you know, loathe to give up running or pickleball or yep. swimming, particularly because of, I adore outdoor swimming and there's, that has an expiration, you know, shelf life sure. on it. So I have thought about going to the club where I swim in a pool and strength training beforehand, but mm, that would involve a change of clothes and finding out where the strength <laughs> room is. And so, well, here's something that I shared on my podcast. Actually, was it last week? Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was last week that might apply to you here. And I talked about how things are phases. And so often, mm. especially when we think of like health and fitness, that it has to be this consistent, like, yes, I think Everyone should be strength training, especially as you get older, to help offset the uh, impacts of aging on your bones, your muscles, all the good things. We know that. But, mm -hmm. like, it's allowed to be phasical, phase, um, I don't know what the nap Phasic? Phasic, mm -hmm. yeah, sure. Mm -hmm. It's allowed to be that way. Like, mm -hmm. it, just because you don't strength train for eight months this year doesn't mean you're doomed okay. for forever. Like, you're just in a, let's call it running and pickleball phase of the year. The okay. minute that it gets, you know, winter and cold, I'm mm -hmm. going to assume running might come down a little bit. And maybe yeah. you swap some of those times in for strength training because you've got the time instead okay. of trying to force everything in every single day of the year. If you think of it more in phases and just make sure that you've get, you got all the phases checked, don't skip mm -hmm. one. Okay. It all, okay. it all comes out in the wash in the end. It'll all even out. Okay. I like it. I like yeah. it. Thanks so much for joining us, Alyssa. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. Alyssa, I know that your athletic background has a few different facets to it. Tell us a little bit about your running background. Sure. So I, I mean, if we're going way back, like Goonies style, I was not an athletic kid. You know, I, I did your kind of basic gymnastics and a little bit of little league and that sort of thing, but I was not a gym goer. I was not a runner. Um, I have a very strong memory of attempting to join my friends on a run when we were in college and making it a block and then just going, you know what, I'm good, uh, <laughs> and just going back home. And then I graduated college and moved in with a roommate in New York. And one day she said, uh, I want to go watch the marathon, the New York City Marathon. It was the year that P. Diddy was running and she wanted to go see him across the finish line. And yeah, That's you're so going to hear me explain that P. Diddy is responsible for my running career. Um, <laughs> so we went, we watched him cross the finish line and she said, I think we should run the New York City Marathon. And I said, well, I mean, I guess neither one of us runs and you're a smoker, but I guess we could start training. My dad had been a marathon runner my whole life. So I called him. I said, I think I'm going to run the New York City Marathon. He said, great, I'll do it with you. And that was it. I started training. I didn't run it that uh, that year because I got a stress fracture, but I did run it the following year. And I've run six marathons uh, and then done a whole bunch of triathlons as well. Nice. Well, thank you, P. Diddy. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> I've been waiting to share that story and I haven't had a chance yet. So that's, really a great, that's a great story. I love that. And so after you got your first foray into running, how did your athletic side career kind of continue after that? Yeah. So that was, I ran my first marathon in, it was the 2005 New York City. And then I continued to do half marathons and I did a few other marathons afterwards. And then I kind of had this the way that my sort of athletic career has gone is that every time I do something, I've sort of gone, well, what's the next most extreme thing I can do? <laughs> so, you know, I didn't want to do ultras, but for some reason I knew that that was the end point for me with running distances, but I did decide, okay, I want to do a triathlon. Um, and I was not a swimmer. I use this description in my book, but like my swimming skills could best be described as the used car dealerships inflatable tube man falls in the deep end. Like that's what I look oh, like. <laughs> but I worked with team and training. 
and got coached through it and did a couple of Olympics and halves and then went and did an Ironman, which was a lot, but really cool. And it was a one and done situation. When I finished that, I thought, all right, well, what can I do next that's totally different from this? And I joined CrossFit, which is, I think, about as different as you can get. Mm -hmm. And it was through CrossFit that I met a friend who said, do you want to try Strongman? And that was that has led me to where I am today, being a, a strong woman athlete. Mm. And what does that entail? So the best description of strongman, I think, is it basically involves lifting up something heavy and odd, like an odd shaped object. Sometimes there's barbells, but mostly it's rocks and kegs and logs and things. And then either putting it back down or throwing it or carrying it for as far as possible or as long as possible. <laughs> this kind of reminds me of the steeplechase in track when you're sitting there and you're like, where, where did this come from? Like, why are we making the people do this? That's the kind of vibe that I just got when you said that. Like, <laughs> sure, let's just pick up rocks and throw them or just put, set them back down. Same vibe. Yes. Same vibe for me. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So please share with us how a miscarriage that you had, which we're sorry that you had that experience. Oh, thank you pushed you from running toward the weight room? Yeah. So I had been doing strongman for two years when I had the miscarriage. I um, was training for a competition. I was in my gym, um, actually lifting up one of those rocks and just had this kind of overwhelming sense of exhaustion and not the kind that you get from a tough workout, but just this real full body exhaustion I'd never experienced. And I went home that day. I took a pregnancy test. I just had a hunch. I found that I was pregnant. And then three weeks later was when I found out that I was miscarrying. And, you know, you think that's such a short amount of time, right? But anyone who's gone through it, we know it's it's enough time to kind of mentally plan your family future. So it was, it really took me from being in this place where I felt like the strongest I'd ever been to suddenly feeling just kind of weak and broken and vulnerable. And I would go for runs because that's what I knew how to do. And it was really cathartic. When I would run, I would just literally run down the street crying. But when I came home from those runs, a lot of times I kind of, once that catharsis was over, I sort of felt like I was back in the place that I was before I started. And when I would go lift, I would leave the gym, you know, realizing that I was kind of walking taller. My shoulders were pulled back. I felt this level of power and almost going back to that sense of like invincibility of just there's you know, I, I can go through these hard things and I can come back and I'll be okay. And that was, that's kind of what changed my relationship with lifting at that point, um, from just being something I did to really being a part of who I am. And I still run. I mean, it, throughout my lifting career, I've still run races. I did a virtual half marathon at the start of COVID, which was something, mm-hmm. you know, creating your own running course. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's nice. I, I love both. I will never running will never be something I'm not doing. I just, it's my first love. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's exactly how I feel about running. I do plenty of other things, but running still feels like home. All the other ones just feel like extra icing on the top, but the running is the cake for sure. Exactly. Yeah. So talk us through some of the not so everyday challenges you've done. I heard you've pulled a truck. <laughs> I want to hear about some of these more obscure tasks. Yeah. The, the truck pull was, um, Something that I think I knew about from when I first started doing Strongman, it is kind of this iconic event of the sport. Never something I thought I could do, but something I always wanted to try. And yeah, I got a chance at a competition. And in a particularly poignant way, it was the competition I was supposed to be at, the one that I was training for when I had the miscarriage. Um, I got to go back there five years later with my two daughters in tow. And I got to pull the truck in front of them. And it was just awesome. Yeah, it was so it was so empowering and just so cool to have them see it. Hilariously, I put all of this weight in them watching me do it. And when it was all over, I went over to my older daughter, who was just kind of sitting in a shady spot on the field on the side of the the course. And I said, you know, like, wasn't that amazing? Like mommy pulled the truck. Remember, we thought I couldn't do it, but I did it. And she kind of just gets this like sort of faraway look in her eyes and she goes, Yeah. But mommy, 
uh, now could we go to that playground over there? <laughs> like, Nothing like a kid to hum- humble you. Huh? Yep. I was like, cool. Yep. We can, we can go to the playground. So that's, that's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> that's definitely the weirdest one, but I have lifted all manner of rocks. I have put a keg over my head. I have carried a yoke, which makes you feel like, you know, you're in the Oregon trail. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so yeah, it's been, it's been a whole mix of wild things. Speaking of holding things, can we do a little humble bragging? And I want to hear about the farmer's hold at the U.S. Nationals in 2022. And I want to hear what you were listening to on your earbuds while you did it. Okay, yeah. (laughs) Um, So I was listening to a song off of Guns N' Roses' Use Your Illusion 2. (laughs) I was listening. Yeah, I'm just really dating myself. I was listening to Get in the Ring, which is just... It's like a few normal words and 99% profanity. (laughs) I mean, that sounds about right. Yeah. I had listened to that song. I didn't listen to a ton of stuff in my ears when I was training. But one of the things I would do, because I don't really listen to music in headphones when I'm training, but one of the things I would do to kind of trick myself out of being aware of the pain and the discomfort of holding the farmer handles in training was that I would pick a song and I try to think, okay, what song can you sing in your head? where you know when this kind of minute long end point is. And it was that song. And then going into that event, I kept seeing, I saw the other girls putting their earbuds in. And I was like, ah, you don't do anything new on race day, but this seems like <laughs> a new thing I could do. Uh, and so I did it and I think it was hugely helpful. Wow. And so what is the farmer's hold? So farmer's hold, and I assume it is named as such because it's the way farmers, you know, are walking around the fields carrying maybe like, you know, two buckets of water or feed. Basically, you're carrying an even amount of weight in either hand. And for the hold, you're instead of walking with it, you're just standing there. So they had it was like these two suitcases that they Mm -hmm. filled with weight. Mm -hmm. Um, And you kind of stand it up from the ground and then just like dig in and hold and hope that your your grip strength and your muscles will keep you from dropping it. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, I got calluses at the base of my fingers just watching that on Instagram. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that is that is accurate. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So Alyssa, can can you please explain like when you did some of these challenges, your physique pretty much looks like a regular Jane who would line up on the starting line of a 10K. You do not look like Hulk Hogan when you're pulling yeah. that truck or standing there <laughs> holding those incredibly heavy, basically suitcases. I mean you kind of dispel I think probably some of us are sitting here thinking of you with like these huge bulging delts and lats and you know your your muscles up around your ears that's not the case yeah I compete in the smallest weight class oh okay yeah so uh it depends that there's a couple different factions of strongman and so you're looking at generally anything under like 125 Mm. is my weight class you know it was really interesting I think as women, when we get into lifting, we're told one of two things, right? We're told either, you know, don't lift too heavy because you're going to get bulky. Or on the other side of it, if you are curious about weightlifting and you're talking to somebody who's super into it, they might tell you something like, oh yeah, yeah, do it. Don't worry. You won't get bulky. And in either one of those, in, in the phrasing of either one, we're still putting bulky out there as this negative thing. Mm-hmm. And that is something that all all of the lifters I spoke to, you know, really talked about how they kind of just embraced the idea that bulky is awesome. And, you know, taking up space is really, really empowering. When I trained for nationals, one of the things I really focused on doing was actually trying to put on more muscle mass. And it was a huge struggle. You don't really realize how much of your life you're told what your body should look like mm-hmm. and how to eat and how not to eat and how you should interpret your hunger cues, which for a long time I interpreted as like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm doing a good job kind of delaying eating. Mm. And this was one of the best learning experiences I had through this whole process was having to push myself to purposely gain mass. Mm. And, you know, I, I didn't put on a lot, which, you know, again, is a testament to like some of this is your genetics and, you know, you're, it's, it's hard to put on muscle mass, but I wanted to. I wanted to be bigger. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. I think that that's changing a little bit though. Mm. Yes. I think women aren't afraid of muscle. I still think to your point that there is a stigma around how much muscle, but 
I do see, at least in my own little sphere of the you know corner of the world, I think women want muscle. They're just afraid of how much muscle. And I like to remind women that it takes so much effort and protein, frankly, yes. to get there. It's so intentional. The same way that if you're trying to lose five pounds, that usually takes an intentional effort. I think that body composition change does usually, for most people, take intentional effort and you're not going to accidentally get bigger than you want to be. Though, yeah. to your point, you shouldn't be afraid of that. Yeah, exactly. I remember my, my first coach in the sport would talk to me about, you know, women being concerned about getting bulky from lifting. And he was like, do you know how much effort like the guys you see in your gym put into just building a little bit of muscle? Like you're not going to sniff a dumbbell and get huge. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> Correct. Like, let, yes, 100%. Yeah. <laughs> I wish that was the case. Me too. <laughs> me too. I might I be out of a job, but... <laughs> Oh, my goodness. All right. We're going to take a short break to hear from the brands that let us bring you this free content. Please support them like they support us. We'll be back in a flash. Okay. As I so often do, I turn to our Facebook group for questions. And Ooh. as always, they served up some great questions. <laughs> so for the second half of the show, that's what we're going to do. Uh, awesome. This one's from Kathleen. What is the best way to ease back into strength training after taking a break without overdoing it? I One of the things I always say to people when they ask a question like that, or how do I get started question, is if you have the means, I think in particular with strength training, one of the best things you can do is, is have a trainer or a coach. In person is obviously ideal. If not, um, there are a lot of great apps that um, as long as they have videos that show you how to do the movements. But if you're coming back from time off, which indicates to me that you know you've done it before, I think it's just starting at, you know, a lower percentage of whatever your max was before and starting to ease back into it. And I don't know if this person is like me, but for me, one of the struggles with that has always been the ego part of it, where I'm like, I don't, I don't want to live 50% of my max. I <laughs> want to live 75% of my max. But that is also how you get hurt. So <laughs> Uma asks, how can you make strength training appealing, fun, and palatable to those of us that would rather be running outdoors five days a week or walking or cycling or anything outdoors that isn't lifting? And then a related question from Kathy, how do you make strength training fun? I run because I like being outside and listening to AMR or music. Oh, look at that. I know, I know. I didn't put I her like up Kathy. to it. Yeah. I like, I like <laughs> Kathy. Uh, most gyms are smelly, crowded, have loud music on, and it's so boring. So one of the coolest things about Strongman in particular is its focus on found and odd objects. So like, I think something awesome would be go out for your run you know, if you've got a trail or some wooded area near you, go out into that area and just pick stuff up. Mm -hmm. Like just, I don't know, find a rock and pick it up. Uh, if it's small, see what it feels like to throw it. Um, I was recently at my husband's family's, they've got a, a little cottage by a lake and I didn't have any weights with me. And what I ended up doing instead was I just kind of looked around and found the biggest rock I could find. And it was still not, you know, particularly huge, but I was like, okay, this is my workout now. And it was so fun to just figure out kind of mentally um, work through that problem of like, how am I going to use this differently? How do I have to position my hands differently? I find that to be a lot of fun. It just, it, it triggers my brain in a different way than I'm used to from anything else. And no snakes or mealy worms or anything underneath <laughs> the, the rocks. I, I looked, I kind of picked it okay, up okay. very gingerly because okay. <laughs> I was like, this feels like the kind of rock a snake would live under. Yes. <laughs> uh, and no, I got very lucky. But when I did unearth a rock in my backyard, mm -hmm. that is definitely a landscaping rock that I was not supposed to move. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I took that one out and that had a bunch of earthworms underneath it mm -hmm. that I had to kind of, you know, <laughs> gently place back into their hole yes, and then thank you. Yeah. rinse off the stone. Yes. No, <laughs> no worms were harmed during the lifting of this rock. No yeah. worms. <laughs> I think one thing that really helped me when I was transitioning from running to strength training was to make it social as well. Yeah. I think that the idea, I tried to go just into a gym as an individual and like stand at a squat rack and ask for help. And 
one, I think that can be really intimidating because there's definitely a learning curve to understanding how to move under a barbell versus, you know, individual dumbbells or kettlebells. But I do also think that there's something to be said of if you're finding it boring, having people around you while some people think, oh my gosh, that's more people to look at me. I actually find it has the opposite effect of like, there's nothing better than when you're struggling through a workout to like look over at a stranger, maybe it's a friend, doesn't matter. And to have that kind of camaraderie of like misery loves company sort of, sort of thing is like, I find group fitness while you need to make sure you're in the right group fitness class. You need to make sure that you're telling the trainer that you're a beginner, maybe any limitations that you have. But I think being around people can take some of that boringness away. I think it can also take some of that. I don't know. It just makes it fun to me when I can also crack a joke with someone while lifting a weight versus standing by myself on a lonesome in a smelly gym floor. Um, I yeah. think that group fitness can be a great first handshake with strength training to get you comfortable to be by yourself in a gym. Mm. I Yeah, I could not agree more with that. It's, you know, CrossFit gets a bad rap for just, I think, the intensity of it and also the cult-like way that people talk about it. But lifting heavy things with a group of people like that, I think it really, you know, it fuels the sense of community that we need, that we all crave. One of the things with CrossFit is they have this kind of mandate that you're supposed to stay after you've finished your workout, you stay and you cheer on the last remaining people which at first I found super embarrassing. And then I learned to just really kind of embrace and appreciate. There's, I think, a part of us that's, that we're hardwired to be working together to do hard things. You found it embarrassing to cheer or to be cheered? Oh, no, I love cheering for other people. I Listen, my, I, was in, I was in team and training. <laughs> so if people know team and training, like I am expert at cheering. I like to stand on the side of courses and cheer for people. Mm -hmm. But no, to have, you know, when I was one of the last people Mm -hmm. being cheered on, I felt kind of embarrassed, like, oh, you know, everyone has to stay and or I'm, you know, I'm not doing a great job. And whatever it was, you go through all those kind of things in Mm -hmm. your brain. Mm -hmm. But I think even as a runner, you think of the difference of running that 22 miler in your marathon training by yourself with, you know, maybe your partner meeting you at the halfway point with some gels or something. And just kind of getting a good high five, one or two high fives, maybe if you're lucky in that 22 mile run. But then when you're actually on race day, yes, certainly there's the adrenaline because it's race day. But part of the excitement of race day is the people cheering you on. And I think Mm -hmm. that we all, once you experience that once, that feeling kind of like can carry you through training. And I think that if you approach strength training the same way, get yourself a little crew that's going to cheer you on in your workout. To me, that's kind of what group fitness is, obviously on a much smaller scale, that you kind of have to have a cheering squad built in. Yeah, absolutely. And I know not everyone's going to go do strongman, but one of the things that you know I've noticed and people would tell me throughout is just that like the community of it is like nothing I've ever experienced anywhere else. It's where your, your fiercest competitor is probably the person cheering loudest for you on the sidelines because part of strength, I think, is wanting to see what the human body is capable of. And even if that's not your body, you know, what can people do? Mm. All right. So the Facebook questions, we have two more related questions. And we've touched on this, but uh, Maggie asks, I don't have access to a gym. Can you suggest some exercises that can be done at home for upper body strength? And Francine says, lifting heavy, I don't have a gym membership. So how can I lift heavy effectively at home? So let's take them inside instead of being outside with the rocks and the the downed logs <laughs> and things like that. So <laughs> some, some advice <Yeah>. there. <laughs> I mean, you know, you can start out doing just kind of body weight resistance training. Um, that's a really good start of just, you know, doing push-ups, doing tricep dips, which you can do off of, you know, a couch. I have also just lifted things in my home, you know, gallon jugs of water are a great start. You know, it's, it's a little harder when you talk about lifting heavy at home, um, because then you're looking at, you know, you can't, you're not going to deadlift your couch. It's just <laughs> awkward. Um, <laughs> but you can do, you know, more hypertrophy training, which is the the training that we're doing. That's, you know, more reps at a slightly lighter weight to build muscle. So that's where, yeah, you can pick up your cans and your big jugs of water and whatever else you find around your house. I pick up my kids and I put them over my head sometimes. (laughs) I have figured out that I can pick up, 
each one of my daughters like in you know one at a time in one arm and do like a, a one-armed overhead press with them oh my gosh <laughs> so you know I, look they're they're light they are you know 35 pounds uh but <laughs> it's if you if you have kids who are willing to just stand there for it that's great that's a good way to do it <laughs> Not sure anyone has suggested uh, pressing their child over their head on our podcast in nearly a thousand episodes. So thank you, Alyssa, for doing for breaking that barrier. Oh, no problem. <laughs> on the flip side, Leslie asks she or she says she has a Planet Fitness gym membership. She's training for her first marathon at fifty three years old. She started running at age fifty. First of all, Leslie, you're amazing. Love that. Uh, what should she be doing at the gym to kind of help round out her marathon training? Well, I'm going to second that because that's amazing and congratulations and good luck. You know, I think one of the things, and I, I will qualify this by saying I was a certified trainer. I have not worked as a trainer in years. So I do always think that it's better to work with somebody, but you know, if you're trying to build up strength for marathon training, you want to be doing lower body work, squats, deadlifts, that kind of stuff, lunges for sure, build up your quads, but you don't want to be doing so much of it that you're compromising your ability to then get your training runs in. Um, and the goal isn't to put on mass, right? The goal at that point is just to build the endurance in your muscles so that you can go out and do the course uh, and, you know, hopefully tire a little bit less easily. I mean, I'll say just on a, an anecdotal note from myself, I used to get stress fractures when mm -hmm. I was running marathons. And when I started strength training, during my marathon training, that stopped happening. Hmm. That's interesting. It is interesting. Yeah. Well, because, you know, you're building up your bone density. Mm -hmm. And again, you know, I was building up the, the supporting muscles. Hmm. I also think one thing that's interesting, though, that I think a lot of women are runners, I should say, forget about is how posture does play into your running and your gait. And so often I see women who want to add strength training into their running routine. And so they do all lower body. And so I also just want to give a little bit of a shout out for your upper body, just to say yeah. increasing the strength in your back can, and your upper back and your lower back um, can really help with posture, which can really help you have a more efficient gait, which obviously is going to turn into hopefully faster times in your marathon. So while I do, I, as a fitness trainer, I recommend runners to focus on lower body strength. There is something to be said of not forgetting core exercises and upper body exercises to help with posture. That's, that's what I've been doing. Do for half an hour every Look morning at you. with my PT exercises and, and boy, it has changed my, how I feel when I'm running and just, oh my goodness, I don't get chafing under my right upper arm anymore. I think because I've kind of shifted the way my upper body sits on my pelvis. That's yeah. great. So wow. how about that? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, Kristen asked, should she be focusing on upper body some days, lower body others, or can she just incorporate full body lifting workouts where you're hitting a little bit of everything all at once? I actually think, and I, I know I'm the guest on here, but I think, Brittany, you might be better qualified to answer that than me. <laughs> well, uh, that is funny. I was like, oh, I wonder if she's going to say, because I certainly have an opinion. Um, I always, yeah, I, yeah, hear opinion. I always approach fitness uh, first from a lifestyle perspective. So if someone doesn't have the time to frankly do, you know, chest and back one day and you know, or sorry, chest and triceps one day and back and shoulders the next day, just do upper body, right? Or you got to figure out what you have time for. If someone only has time for two workout strength training sessions a week and they're running, I think upper body and lower body is great. If you only have time for one, of course, full body works. I think I would much rather someone fit it in than feel obligated to try to force in four workouts because you've got a muscle split that uh, requires you to work out four times a week to hit every single muscle group. So preferably, yes, you would do upper body on one day, lower body on the next day. Um, that does help with recovery. If you're working full body four times a week, you're never really going to get adequate recovery for that muscle group. And recovery is where the building happens. So in your strength training, you're tearing down the muscle and then you build back better muscle, better functioning muscle, stronger muscle in the recovery. So if you're never getting that recovery, 
then you're, you know, you're setting yourself up for some risk for injury and, and bad muscle imbalances. So I would say it depends on your schedule. Full body is great, but if you're doing, I would say more than three work, strength training workouts a week, that's when it's time to uh, split it up by muscle group. If you're only working out twice, let's call it, you know, Monday and Thursday, I think two full body exercises is totally fine. Just make sure that you're balancing between upper and lower body within that same workout. Mm. Boom. Rx yeah. right there. Thank you. <laughs> Much better than what I could have said. That was great. <laughs> so our two final questions are in a way about results. So a different than me, Sarah says, is getting stronger also making me slower? Are my heavier muscles harder to haul around? Or she asks, is she just getting old? <laughs> <laughs> well, Well, uh, I don't know how old you are. I'm 42. And yeah, I mean, listen, I think we just kind of start to feel like that. Remember, people would always tell me like, you know, at 40, all of these various things about your body change. And I think it's 42, actually, when all that happens. (laughs) (laughs) I'm suddenly like, oh, this is different than it was before. I think it's, you know, I think it could go either way. I think when I started, when I was starting to strength train, and then I went, you know, was trying to run races. It did at first feel like, oh, I'm carrying around a lot more, but I actually logged my fastest ever half marathon time after years of doing strongman. Hmm. So, I mean, unless you are putting on like a tremendous amount of mass, I don't know that it's enough to, to slow down your times. I also think that it can be a give and a take. So in a silo, if we're looking in a vacuum, are heavier muscles harder to haul around? Technically, yes. But the benefit that you are going to get from having more muscle mass on your body in running might offset, again, I don't know the exact science, but you can't look at it, I think, of just a heavier body is harder to move. I think that there's so many benefits to your body being able to move efficiently um, and being able to get from point A to point B faster, even if you are at a heavier weight. I think that that is also something to keep in mind. Though I will say, Alyssa, I think you're totally right that I think that the impacts are so small that the benefits outweigh the the, the negatives for sure. Yeah. Okay. And so this is a question I can totally relate to. <laughs> uh, Brittany has worked out with me. She knows this to be true. Um, Natalie wants to know, why is my butt still flat despite all my glute exercises? <laughs> Uh, I mean, I think probably a good amount of that is just genetics, but you know, some of that too is what are the glute exercises that you're doing, right? Are you doing air squats or are you doing heavy squats? Um, are you deadlifting? You know, I saw mine, I guess, grow a bit when, Mm -hmm. when some of that changed, um, when I was doing, you know, we had more back squats going into my programming as well. Also like building up your hamstrings that changes the definition there. But, you know, on a side note, and this is probably not exactly what this person wants to hear, but I also think it's just more about what can your glutes do for you versus how they look in a pair of jeans. And are you eating enough protein? Yes. That's what I find most with people. Like I've trained many people in person and I can build the best. You can do all the right exercises. Perfect. Great program. Glute heavy. We're doing it all. Progressive overloading. But if you aren't getting enough protein in during the day, the muscle won't build. Mm. Well, then I'd be remiss if I didn't ask each of you then to give some suggestions for what are ways that you get protein into your diet. So if each one of you want to field that, that'd be great. Um, Yeah, I can start. I uh, I mean, when I was actively trying to put on like mass and quickly for nationals, I added whey protein shakes into my day just because I couldn't. Like I just could not stomach more food. Um, you just, for me, I just hit a point where I was like, I, I can't, I can't eat another chicken breast. Um, <laughs> and so that really helped me. So I would just kind of stick one into my breakfast routine and then one at the end of the day, which I kind of treated like an extra little dessert. Cause that's, you're looking at 30 grams of protein. I also would just dump some of that into a bowl of yogurt or oatmeal. And I think one of the big things is we've, I don't know why, but I think it's been drilled into a lot of us that like, you know, two eggs is a high protein breakfast and it is not. And so you're start, if you start your day like that, you're starting your day 
with a pretty low level of protein. So just making sure that um, you're adding something else in that is protein rich, if that's what your breakfast is. That's actually a good segue into what my tip was going to be, was I have two eggs and toast every morning for breakfast, (laughs) but I put egg whites in knowing that I'm going to get way more protein from the egg whites than I will a whole egg. I also am really big right now. I'm on a cottage cheese and Greek yogurt kick, both which have a lot more protein than you would anticipate. I also have shifted from things like hummus, things like nut butters. A lot of people see those as proteins, but actually are more rich in fat content than protein, not to say that they don't have protein. But I think once you just start paying attention to the types of foods, or sorry, the types of nutrients that foods have, you can pretty quickly course correct yourself. Like I think the adding the egg whites into my eggs, it doesn't taste really any different, but I'm getting way more protein than I would just having two eggs. So do you have two eggs and then add some egg whites? Yeah, so I so I scramble the whole thing together. So I'll do two eggs Mm -hmm. and then about like a half a cup, um, sorry, not a half a cup, a quarter of a cup of Mm -hmm. egg whites, and then I'll scramble the whole thing together. So the egg whites kind of get balanced. It kind of is like a diluted egg, but egg Mm -hmm. variety is so vast these days. You know, like it, Mm -hmm. I can't tell the difference. Mm -hmm. That's one way that I've done it, and then like I said really focusing on more yogurt. Like when I'm looking at building my yogurt and granola and fruit, less mm-hmm. fruit and granola and more yogurt because you're going to get the protein out of the, <laughs> out of the yogurt. Your yogurt recommendation reminded me that during that like year time that I was training for nationals, I used to end my day with what I called my swole bowl, which was like, you know, yogurt, like high protein yogurt with additional protein powder. And then just, you know, like a little bit of berries mixed in just for the the sweetness of it. I love it. Uh, Oh my goodness. Well, Alyssa, thanks so much for talking with us and we wish you all the best with your book. Thank you so much for having me. This was wonderful. All right. Well, I hope that that inspired you to do some lifting, maybe get back to the gym, maybe go lift some rocks out in your yard. But again, watch out for what might be under those rocks. Hey, it's Sarah. Dimity and I would love your help in making the Another Mother Runner podcast, the original Friday show, AMR Answers, and Many Happy Miles, the best show they can be by completing a short anonymous survey. The link to the survey is in the show notes. Filling out the survey should take about 10 minutes. Your answers will help us determine future topics, guests, and suitable sponsors. We really appreciate your time and input. To show our gratitude for completing the survey, you'll receive a 15% discount code to our Mother Runner store once you finish the survey. Thanks in advance for your thoughtful responses. Our podcast today was produced in St. Paul, Minnesota by Barry Medore from Fire on the Bluff. Absolutely. And I have to say, we didn't get a chance to, this didn't come up at all. But Brittany, I was looking at your social media and the video that you have with your child just kind of like being on the side of your mat and just like disrupting your video. I've I've never felt more seen by social media video. It was so good. Oh, thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah, she she uh, has a little bit of FOMO. She needs to be involved in whatever I'm doing if she's awake. That was for sure. As just it was so great because my my daughters come into the garage gym with me, and mm-hmm. you know they're they're older, so they're also trying to like right. participate in things. But I will be doing like heavy deadlifts, and my older daughter will be sitting on the rowing machine, just like just pushing herself back and forth on it and being like, uh, mommy, why are you making that sound? Is it hard? Yeah. Like asking so many questions. Yeah. Yeah. Like, Oh my God, just let mommy finish the set. Just like, I'm so close. Yeah, exactly. Oh my gosh. I'm glad you liked it. Loved it. Loved it.